So story time. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Story time about knowing your numbers. Um, so some people do this really well. Um, and just speaking from our experience, Kevin Kevin builds a great product and a beautiful product. He's a creative. And on our team, we have the creative, and, which is Kevin. And then we have the, I don't know what we call it. Not the creative. I'm, I'm more of the 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 right brain kind of person. Yeah, you're like analytical. Yeah, I'm I'm the analytical, right? You don't care about the creative. You like don't spend my money. But we need both. Hey guys, this is Aisha Shelton. And this is Kevin Shelton. Welcome back to the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. Another week, another podcast. We're back, back, back. So this week, we are talking about five real estate habits. Cool. <laughs> I was just going to say real estate habits. You, oh, you gave well, like the whole number that I'm looking at on this. Screen. I thought you didn't want to do like numbers or whatever. No. Five real estate You don't habits care about that no more? Okay. <laughs> numbers, five. No. So five real estate habits. Five real estate habits. Do you think these habits transcend um, like jobs or businesses? Sure. I think they could. I mean, I, I think that success is kind of continuous, right? So if you're successful in one area, you can translate that into another area so i think these habits would be good for anything um you know because essentially the practice of the five habits that we're going to discuss makes sense in any business but um we're specifically talking about real estate all righty so no so we'll jump in number one if you read it off i'll knock it down (laughs) educating yourself So this is super broad, but um, I think it's one of the key things, especially in real estate, is educating yourself on real estate itself, kind of learning your craft, right? Whether it's um, how um, your investment strategy works or, you know, things going on in the finance world, what interest rates are, all that good jazz. You could never go wrong educating yourself on your craft, right? If you want to be a real estate investor, the easiest way for you to learn how to do that is to learn about that. Yeah, I think every successful person that I know that's in real estate definitely have a good list of books that one they've read, um, reread on multiple occasions, um, and they have a very robust um, library of books that they can choose from. Um, so I think that not only educating yourself by listening to webinars and reading books, but I know that most successful people in real estate have a pretty robust library of, of a lot of different things, right? It's not just real estate related. It's, it's marketing. It's leadership. These are the things that, you know, when I think about people who are successful in real estate that they have. All the skills that you'll need across the board. I think it was um, Warren Buffett who said he spends like 30% or 40% of his day reading or whatever. Like he does emails in the morning and then he like sits down and reads. So, you know, 
you could never go wrong learning more and more random knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> she like, how do you know? You know, I was like, I think Warren Buffett reads about sixty-two to sixty-seven percent of the day. I, I can pull up the stats. No, I'm not saying that you're wrong. It's self-quoted. <laughs> he, I mean, he said what he does I'm with his day. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying that you can throw out any quote, and it's probably close to being right and if it's not you're not gonna look it up <laughs> have you ever heard the statistics on quotes <laughs> that most statistics are bullshit <laughs> you never heard that no. no the statistics on statistics is that most statistics are bullshit i just remember writing papers and i would quote statistics that i've made up <laughs> like a mug like 80 percent of people are 80 percent of people Remember when we were Toastmasters and people would make up statistics? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, that was so off topic. Oh, but. it was hilarious, though, because people <laughs> would get up there like, did you know that 90% of malls have 90% of stores? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shit that don't make no sense. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, it so works random. in the course of a speech. It and does. I guess it works for its podcast. It so there we go. The point is, you need to know something about something so you educate yourself. That's basically the premise. It's it's hard to know what you're doing if you never learn about it. And I think this is a cautionary tale for people who are like, I want to be a wholesaler, right? And you don't know, you know what, the, goes, in the what goes into wholesaling. Um, and it's really attractive and it's really sexy. Or even, you know, I'm a real estate agent. So people who want to be a real estate agent, they get a license and they're like, oh, man, I have a license. Well, that's really exciting. But there's so much work. That has to go after you get your license. There's so many things that you need to educate yourself about after you get your license. So you spend all of that time in real estate school learning. Um, and then you take this test and just know that there's so much more to learn after you've done the that The test part. don't teach you shit. The test teaches you how to pass the test. The test license. teaches you how to not go to jail doing real estate. It doesn't teach you how to do real estate. It does not teach you how to do real estate at all. So, you know, anything that you think you want to do in real estate, I, I would say go all in. It's funny because I remember sitting down with several people who wanted to be investors and be like, all right, bet in five minutes, tell me exactly what to do, where to invest, what to invest in. It was like, that don't work like that, boss. You got to. You got to figure that out for yourself. You have to actually educate yourself on what it is you want to do to even figure out what you want to do. So number two, networking with other investors. You can, you, you do this very well. I do. I do. I, I network um, very well, but certainly networking with other investors helps you to be able to learn lessons before you have to or impart knowledge on those who are coming behind you. And I think the last episode we talked about networking as well. Um, so and the power of your network. And yeah. the, power, the power of your network, right? So networking with other investors and you hear us talk about, you know, people you eat from, people you eat with, and people that you feed often on the podcast. And so making sure that your network consists of each one of those people, that you're always giving back, that you're always, you know, communing with people who have the same struggles and challenges that you do and also networking with people who have surpassed that and can kind of teach you some things too so it's important to network with other investors and people who are in the real estate industry and I think we specifically said network with investors but just networking in general true uh, complementary industries and making sure that you're adding value to people before you ask for value back you know, it's it's funny. I've learned probably the most from networking with other people um, because you learn 
what works in real life or, or what may work for you based on what works for other people. And as you learn from other people's experiences, you can kind of avoid a lot of the, I mean, and you just said this, avoid a lot of the pitfalls or whatever, but you know, real estate is a long game. It's a very old game. So nothing new is under the sun, you know, and when you're networking with other investors, one of the things that you can learn is, Hey, it's those cautionary tales. It's, Hey man, I did this back in 92. So don't go do this. Or, you know, back before the crash in 08, I was into this type of investment. And then you, you go, Oh, okay, well that's how that works. Let me avoid that. So there's a lot of power in networking with other investors, especially if you're an up and coming investor, because everything has shiny object syndrome, right? Like it looks good to do everything. And we did that, you know, we, everything under the sun, we, you know, Airbnb and hoteled and wholesaled and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, all this stuff seems cool and everything works, but it might not work for you or it might not work as good as something else could work for you. So you got to network with other people to find your niche. Yep. Uh, number three, learn your market. So this is something that's super important to, um, to investors that, that want to participate in their, their local markets. Right. Um, and it says learning your market, but it could be whatever market you want to invest in. I think it's important to just know the market where you plan on putting your money or you plan on operating in because that's the market that's directly impacted. So people who invest out of town, just know the market where you're putting your money. But here locally, you know, in the Houston market, we know our market really well because we spend a lot of time driving these streets and, and learning you know, which blocks to invest in, which not, which neighborhood you're taking a chance on, uh, you know, which neighborhood is a sure bet. So it's important to know your market, to know um, how to make money, how to actually make it work. Because you can build the Taj Mahal in the middle of Sunnyside, you ain't going to be able to sell it. So really, you know what I mean? You, you got to know where you're, where you're putting your money. Look, and just for context, Sunnyside is a neighborhood in Houston, a, a, a gentrifying area in Houston. And so you can't build a $500,000 product in Sunnyside. And I mean, you could, but you may have a hard time offloading it on the market because of the value. You don't have a hard time getting that appraisal. Values of the neighborhood, especially if you needed to appraise. Um, but you could build the Taj Mahal. I mean, you could build the Taj Mahal in the middle of the studio if you want to. I mean, there's a Taj Mahal-esque kind of place right off of 59 and Cavalcade. That's true. There is a Taj Mahal. But they didn't need no appraisals to build that. They didn't need any appraisals to build it. But, you know, even if you're investing outside of your market, ensuring that you're working with people who are familiar with the market. And so I know Kevin had discussed, you know, opening up opportunities to our followers for investing and we're experts in our market area. And so investments that we would particularly pick up would be things that either we're knowledgeable about because it's in our area. And if it was outside of our area, it would be people that we partner with that are knowledgeable about the area that they're working in or that they are in. So know the market that you're working in. And, you know, even when someone tells you, oh, yeah, this is a good market, have the ability to do your own research as well so that you can support that too. 
um, don't go into a deal blindsided. No, that's smart. That's a smart caveat to put in there to to make sure you're not just listening to somebody say, hey, man, buy, you know, buy over here because it's really, really good. You Unless you do your own knowledge, your own research, you don't know what you're walking into. Yeah, so. Don't get sold. So number four, and this plays into that, know your numbers. So especially early um, for me, numbers was numbers on the finance side. Once I got that, it made a lot of sense. Paring down the construction numbers, what, what's what's hard for me, right? So uh, not doing the Taj Mahal thing, right? Not putting a bunch of money into a rehab or not, you know, overspending because this is what I feel the house needs was definitely a hard thing. And you were very much of, look, the numbers are the numbers. So if your rehab budget has to be 30K, spend 30K. Don't spend 35, don't spend 40, don't spend 60. So that's one of the reasons we got out of the rehab game. But um, truly knowing your numbers is what makes the difference between profit and loss. Yeah. So story time. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. Story time about knowing your numbers. Um, So some people do this really well. Um, and just speaking from our experience, Kevin, Kevin builds a great product and a beautiful product. He's a creative and on our team, we have the creative and which is Kevin. And then we have the, I don't know what we call it. I'm not the creative. I'm, I'm more of the, the, the right brain kind of person. Yeah, you're like analytical. Yeah, I'm, I'm the analytical, right? You don't care about the creative. You like, don't spend my money. But we need both, right? Because Gotta if have we both. left it up to me, it would be a bare bone box. And I'd be like, let's put and it on the market. And then we couldn't sell it. And then if it were up to Kevin, it would be the Taj Mahal. Let's put and it on the market. And then we couldn't sell it. Either way, we're, we find ourselves in a bad place, right? Um, And so we typically go with Kevin's. Um, We find a hybrid. Cause you don't let me off the chain. We start off with Kevin's stuff, and then it you it know pairs down. Then I I have the ability to pare it down, but you know what we kept running into in the neighborhoods that we were rehabbing or revitalizing in was that those people who were investing in that area they knew their numbers, man. So ours would look the best but theirs would sell for much lower than ours was. You know, they didn't come in and put these upgrades in these homes that the market didn't justify. And that was our competition. And that was our competition, right? And so even though mine looks better and I put new windows in this house and it's going to be a better home for the person who buys it than the other five homes that are on the market, my comps look like this. So, I have to make sure that I'm in line with my comps. And as long as you don't, and I, we, I've met investors like this, as long as you don't have any emotional ties to the look of it, then you can be very successful. There are plenty of people who are still successful rehabbing because they do that. They can look at it and say, okay, all we got to do is this and we can sell it for this, right? Um, for us, we put a little bit more care, a little bit more love, um, and we stand behind the quality of our product. And people that were rehabbing in our neighborhood weren't. Um, And I just want to say one more thing about knowing your numbers. We talk about numbers in a rehab, but also know your KPIs, know your key performance indicators. And I think that's something that we're still perfecting, Mm -hmm. um, but that's so important, right? Because you can be pouring money into a particular area or you can be pouring money into marketing that you don't know if you're reaping that, if you should keep your money in that pot because you're not 
collecting you have to know the information what your game is, yeah. on your on your on your KPIs, right? So if you're doing Facebook marketing for whatever real estate endeavor that you're in, you're doing Facebook marketing and you're not seeing how many leads you're getting from Facebook marketing or how many leads are converting from Facebook marketing, you're just pouring money down. It's like my dad used to say, I'm not pouring money down a well, you know. I'm not pouring, you just pouring money down a well. You don't know when it's going to end. You don't know if it's working, if it's not working, if you're filling it up, if you're not filling it up. So you want to know your project numbers, but you also want to know your KPIs. Do I need to move from the area that I'm investing in right now? Is it working out for me? And I mean, that's a, that's a loaded kind of game, right? Because you have to, you have to look at that two ways. You have to look at the immediacy of it and the long-term effects of it. Um, which is very much a toggle that we made between us because a lot of the bets that we were making in 2017 and 2018, while they're coming to fruition now, um, in 2017 and 2018, it was like, don't spend money here. You know what I mean? So what we ended up with was kind of a, a hybrid, kind of a good and bad version of that where we get some of the benefit now, um, but, but we also left a lot of money on the table. But let's be real. Ours was where luck met opportunity. It had not, It had very little to do with mm. we created this. It would because no, no, no. I, and I wouldn't say oh, that we okay. created that. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. It. It's not purely luck meets opportunity either, though, because we did see something in the market that currently didn't exist. That's there now, and that was that but was projected migration. But right? it didn't work out in the time period that that's we true. wanted or needed. And so now that it, it is working now, that's why I'm saying luck meets opportunity because we knew the opportunity was there. We needed the time. But that's not the luck. That's preparation. Preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, like the luck part of it is the forced appreciation catches up to to give you gains right um the preparation was always there the opportunity was slow coming but now the two meet and then what what's lucky about that is it makes it that much sweeter that the appreciation comes in so we're having this conversation that i don't think our audience may it's, be privy yeah. to let me give the short version I can, okay I'm, go ahead. I'm capable of the short version all right go ahead. so we invested in an area that was um, gentrifying, but it wasn't gentrified at all. It was just, it was an undesirable area. And Kevin had this vision of this area changing and being, being better. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we bought a lot of land in that area. We just picked up lots, boom, 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 picked up lots. Um, and what happened was we had all of this land, but we didn't produce our product fast enough. Yep. Okay. We didn't produce our product fast enough. So now we, we're, we're struggling to hold on to this land. So we offload some of our land and we keep some of it. And then now we're building on that land where Kevin saw the vision. Yep. And when you see, we really need to start posting more on marriage and real estate. When you see what it looks like today and when you see what it's going to look like in five years, mm -hmm. the vision was there. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it, and I'm giving you the really short and sweet version of it because it was kind of painful going through it. Now that we're past that and we see this beautiful part, I mean, now the it of the neighborhood, yeah. you see it, but, um, and it's still very much in process. So. It's still a process, but it's certainly not as painful as it was. Let me be very, very clear. I'm giving y'all the real cute version. It was really ugly then, but this is the pretty version. But what we're saying is, you know, knowing, and I think this goes back to knowing your numbers, knowing your KPIs, mm -hmm. but also having as well so this actually ties into the last point so the last point is it does adapt 
adapting to change. So one of the things you'll learn as an investor is everything's always changing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, change is absolutely constant. So uh, one of the things you have to get comfortable with is being uncomfortable. And that situation was extremely uncomfortable. Um, and it still takes some getting used to. Here's what here's what I'll say. Um, and hindsight is 2020, right? Mm -hmm. What I would say is prepare for change, like have several different strategies for, okay, if this doesn't work, then we'll pivot this way. Um, think about it like an attorney would, right? Before you go into the courtroom, you think about, okay, if this goes wrong and or what is the opposing argument going to be so mm -hmm. that I'm ready for that, yep. that's what we need to prepare for. And I'm saying we like the Sheltons, right? Um, and I'm hoping that this resonates with somebody else too. If you're working on a rehab right now, what's the, if you can't sell it by the time that you're done, what's, what else can you do with it? If you, can you rent it? Can you sub, sublease it? Can you put it on Airbnb? Can you lease it to an Airbnb host? Mm -hmm. You know, have, come up with a plan that's more than just, we're going to rehab this house and we're going to sell it and we're going to make $60,000. What if that don't work out? Mm -hmm. What's your plan? And I think that's what we, we didn't have that kind of plan. So now we can sit here in these chairs and say, man, that's have that true. kind of. Cap. I did not have that kind of plan. Kevin did. We. Here's the thing. You don't have to. You can have, it. I'm not defending anything. Okay. I'm, I'm giving context. This is a marriage. You can thing. have a plan. And sometimes even your plans, plans, backup plans, plans don't work. And you still got to prepare for that. So you're 100% right. But what I want you to give context to the audience is even in your backup plan, be prepared to adapt to whatever Absolutely. comes. Absolutely. Right? Because some stuff may come that you don't see. Sure, sure. So you, um, you just might not know what it becomes. Agreed. No, I agree with that. And honestly when um it's nice to have somebody mm -hmm. that you go through the process with um so this is marriage and real estate and i imagine everybody that's listening is married want to be married about to be married this process is so much better with a partner mm -hmm. um that you're tied to for life and you know got kids with and stuff because <laughs> you're really you not might going not have away. all that i'm just saying because you're really not going anywhere so it's gonna get rough and it's like oh this rough I guess I got to stick it out with you. We got all these kids over here. I'm just kidding. Um, that's a joke. What I'm saying is um, it's good to be married. It's good to share the experiences share with somebody. The, experiences. the good, the bad, the ugly. The good, the bad. That the is ugly. true. Yeah. And, you know, the bottom line is being adaptable to change is being exactly that adaptable to change, however it changes. Yep. And just know that at the end of the day, if you're pushing forward in a positive direction, the universe We'll give you something back. It might get rough first. It ain't going to be easy. Like, <laughs> but at some point, your wings open up and uh, you get there. And it's still very much a journey for everybody, including us, including the person that you, you're you looking at online and think that they got it all figured out. They figuring it out every day, right? Sure. Uh, because the thing about being an investor, it's very much a journey. Think about being in business at all, any kind of business. It's very much a journey. So you know, at a point in time, Henry Ford was the man, and then he wasn't. At a point in time, Vanderbilt was the man, and then they weren't. And at some point, everybody that you see, um, the winds of change can come for everybody. Like uh, your boy Tim and Fertitta say, uh, 
it can always you always uh what does it say one step away from one step away from greatness and one step away from getting your ass handed to you something uh, like that something like that yeah but um you're always one step away from something so you better be ready for for change good bad and different be ready for it adapt to change so i mean these habits these five habits yep. educating yourself networking with other investors knowing your market learning your market and your numbers and being ready for change will help you in being successful um in real estate yep and i mean this is just a start so tune in for more marriage and real estate yeah tell us some of your the habits that you have um that have made you successful in your real estate journey no so this is the marriage and real estate podcast this is kevin and Aisha. we out